0: Welcome to the Expeditioner's Podcast, where we speak with the folks who are leading the way in IT and security. I'm your host, Zach Wasserman, CTO of Fleet and co-creator of Osprey. Now, on with the expedition. Hello and welcome to the show. We're here today with Rich Troughton, proprietor of the Der Flounder Mac OS blog and the treasurer of the Mac Admins Foundation. Welcome, Rich. Thanks for having me on, Zach. Awesome! So glad to have you on today. And uh, Rich comes to us from a beautiful wood-paneled office, uh, and and uh, and we're really happy to have you on the show. So, Rich, you've been in the macOS world for quite a while, and and you know from everything that I know and understand, you're you're quite deeply involved. I'd love to understand like how did you get into Macs and IT in the first place, and then kind of what's your story up to today. Uh, becoming a professional and and doing that for quite some time and then becoming a really core member of the community.
1: Well, I got started uh, when I went to college. I went to the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, at the time, and I'm I'm sure they still do, they had student workers. And my choices were uh, I could support, uh, I think it was System 753 or Windows Three One One. And uh I took a look, a careful look at both pl- uh platforms and I was like, nah, I do not want to be supporting Windows. So I chose uh system seven five three and kept going with it and might say I've been doing that ever since.
0: Nice. That's that's awesome. And and so I mean it was like it was the school context that brought you into into this kind of work and did you, yep. as soon as you started doing that, like, did you have the idea that you wanted to continue on doing that professionally or did it take some time to evolve into that?
1: Well, I mean, at first it was, uh, I got into it. It's, you know, it's a job, um, and I needed money. And, uh, fortunately the university was basically like, can you sit behind a desk for hours at a time and go into a small room and bring out printouts for people and put them on a table in an organized manner and make sure that, You know, stuff didn't get mixed up, and sure enough, I could handle that, uh, and kind of gradually over, I started that as a sophomore and by my senior year, I was like, you know what, I'd really like to be doing this as a job. Um, I had also figured out by that point that my history degree was not going to be making me a good living. Uh, IT seemed to be a, a better path forward for that, and I graduated in 1998, and the first thing I found was that Mac jobs were hard to find in the late 90s. Uh, fortunately I did find uh, a marketing company out in Philadelphia uh, that was looking for a uh, Macintosh system administrator and that's that was my first gig Uh, kind of been with it since
0: oh that's that's really cool and so you've been doing this for a long time like what would you say are the biggest changes that have uh, taken place for a, a Mac admin over these 20 plus years
1: uh definitely uh, very few things that i learned when i first got started still apply today i'll I'll say that i mean we went from a uh platform that uh, had no unix whatsoever to a platform that was uh you know that nice uh finder interface put over a, a unix foundation uh we switched processors now twice from no three times because we went from 68K to PowerPC, PowerPC to Intel, and now PowerPC to Apple Silicon. Um, And honestly, the main thing that's been amazing is how Apple made each of those processor switches fairly easy, uh, which was pretty impressive. Um, You know, uh, I think one of the main things that I think that is still useful for for me from the late 90s is the fact that uh, even to this day, uh, you can't have... Uh, colons in file names because the old hfs uh, file system on like uh, system 7 system 6 uh, that's how it used to define what a directory path was instead of using slashes it used a colon and to this day uh, don't use colons in in your file in your file names because you're going to have a bad time
0: <laughs> some things will never change i guess
1: nope Nope. Some things for backwards compatibility are probably just never going to change.
0: Yeah, and uh, and speaking of things changing, I mean, I I can only imagine that one of the big changes uh, that you've experienced was the introduction of MDM, and then now we've got uh, we've got declarative MDM coming, and I saw mm-hmm. you were just speaking about that at, at at PSU, which was last week at the time of this recording. Uh, yep. I think. Um, can you, uh, we'll have to check out the recording of that since I wasn't able to make it and probably a lot of the listeners weren't there, but, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts about like kind of the evolutionary step here of going to to declarative MDM? Like how big a step is this? How much of a difference is this going to make to, uh, Mac admins who probably almost all use MDM as part of their core workflow?
1: I think it's going to improve things quite a bit because you're going to, Uh, In terms of functionality, because MDM is a very server-focused management service right now where the uh, server says, check in with me, the endpoint does it, the server says, do this, the endpoint does it, and it's over and over and over again. And that is something that uh, as Mac populations were smaller, that wasn't as much of an issue, but of course, as you scale up to, uh, you know, like I think IBM... Uh, has over 100k endpoint Mac endpoints at this point. AWS, I've heard, has something in a similar range. You know, that's simply not a. Uh, that's not something that's going to be able to keep up. So, uh, declarative MDM is addressing this problem by moving more of that management logic to the endpoint, where the server says, "Hey, I've got a plan for you." Uh, the endpoint says, "Yo, send me the plan, and then I'll do the plan." Um, it's not quite at the level of. Uh, like a configuration management tool like Puppet or Salt or Ansible where the endpoint is given a plan by, this, by the, uh, the management service. And then it does all the management on the endpoint. It applies everything on the endpoint to the point of like flipping settings back. Uh, we're not there yet, but I can see it from here. And I hope that we get there. Um, but overall, it's going to be one of those changes that I think it's it's going, one of the things that people have wanted MDM for a while to be is that kind of complete configuration management system where you set something and it'll just, re, you know, if someone changes a setting, it'll flip it back. Um, right now, MDM doesn't really do that. It applies once when you install a management profile and it sets that. And, but in some cases you can change it and then the, profile isn't able to change it back without you removing the profile and putting it back. Um, DDM isn't quite there yet, but you can, it's one of those things I'm up on the Hill. I can see it over, you know, over the Hill on top of the next Hill. I can see it where it is. Totally. And I'm looking forward to that.
0: Totally, yeah, and and Apple introduced at WWDC this year a bunch of new uh, declarative configurations, and yes. and so what what how would you characterize like the readiness of declarative for uh, for you know your your average Mac admin out there like is it time to move now or are we just still kind of looking up over the crest of the hill and seeing the, the promised land?
1: I think that's mainly going to depend on the vendor. How ready the vendor is to adopt is to adopt DDM, because I mean, one of the nice things with uh, DDM is that it's wrapped inside the MDM protocol. it's It's another device model for it. So if you're already using MDM, you don't need to do anything special to adopt DDM. Um, and I think, for the most part, my talk was here's what this is. But as admins, you don't really need to do anything aside from talk to your vendors about getting this stuff going, because the vendor is going to be the one that needs to adopt this, needs to you know put in this functionality into their product, and then as admins, we'll be able to roll it out. Because one of the nice things you can do with DDM is you can continue to deploy uh, traditional MDM pro- you know like profiles within uh, a DDM framework, it'll just send that profile and, uh, you, know, you know, you'll get that endpoint-based logic applying that profile, but as an admin, you're still deploying that profile like you always have. Uh, and, you know, we'll have to see how much this changes over the next few years, but right now, you know, there isn't a lot for the, the Mac admin, the endpoint administrator has to know to deploy DDM that's gonna be up to the vendor, make sure that they're up to speed, make sure they're incorporating these changes from Apple.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. And one of the things that you were just talking about before was these kind of profiles, or most profiles have some sort of side Mm -hmm. effect because they're setting some configuration on the device. And, And one of the challenges that folks have is like, those things can be unset. Certificate, I think is a common example, like the certificate can be deleted that was installed. A profile and then you have to reinstall the profile. Have, do you know or, or, or have you seen whether those sorts of things are alleviated by y- using the new declarative style of of profiles?
1: Uh, that's going to be one of those things that I think we're just going to have to see because you know the vendors are going to be the ones having to deploy this. And for right now, up until uh, this past WWDC, what I've seen is mostly. Uh, vendors deploying things like getting more rapid inventory updates, like uh, using DDM to say, hey, what OS am I on? So I haven't seen a lot of change yet from the vendors with regards to those applying those settings via profiles. That's what I hope to see uh, starting with Sonoma and iOS 17. Um, I hope to see it, but like I said, this is going to depend on the vendors and what they put into their products. Totally. Yeah, that that makes sense and then you
0: were you were saying as well earlier that you know this whole mac os mac admin thing started off as a job you needed to make a paycheck uh but yeah. i I think there was a bit of a suggestion that that it's evolved into more than that and you know i see with der flounder like you're you're prolific there and you're engaging with the, the system quite a bit like learning a ton of stuff and then sharing that and it gives me the, the impression that this has gone kind of beyond a job for you and become a, a, a passion. I'd love to hear you know what motivates you to, to do all that work with the blog and and what it how has it evolved from just a job?
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to give, you know, like people and possible future employers, uh, the wrong impression. I still do do this for the money. <laughs> I still do want that paycheck. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I figured out about myself early on is that I have a terrible memory. Uh, I tend not to remember, you know, like there's folks that can walk around with like endless amounts of memorized stuff, stuff, stuffed inside their brain. And I'm just not one of those folks. So Flounder really started as, and to a large extent still is, a memory aid for myself where I'll find out about something and I'll be like, oh, I got to write this down before I forget it. And why don't I put that in a format where it's not just me getting the benefit from it? So that's really what it is for me. Is like, I I learned this cool thing. I don't want to forget. I'll write this down and I'll put in as much detail as I can so that if, if you know, like, maybe a year down the line, two years down the line, in some cases 10 years down the line, I can go back and look it up and, hey, all that information that passed me, wrote down, and took screenshots of is still there. And as as a great bonus, I can share that with other people where it's like, oh, how do I do this? Well, I wrote this blog post with hopefully everything you need on how to do this thing. Um, so that's that's really what it is for me. And it's, it's one of those things that I... I don't see that as really being additional work. I see it as something that I'm doing for myself and also as that uh, nice side bonus of helping out other people which frankly I enjoy that too.
0: That's that's awesome. And yeah, um duly noted for future employers of course uh a uh, passion and diligence to build expertise and expertise deserves great compensation so <laughs> um And, but as well, uh, you are, you know, you're the treasurer of the Mac Admins Foundation. So, so you are really involved in this community and you're looking to help uh, improve the experience of other people who are getting into the community and already involved in the community. Can you talk more about kind of what inspired that and what you're, what you're doing with the Mac Admins Foundation?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, a lot of this goes back to uh, the Mac admins community has always been a very sharing community, um, starting with email lists. We were on IRC for a while, and then around about 2015, you know, uh, you know, some friends and colleagues uh, spun up a Slack instance, and we thought it'd be like a few people, and, uh, you know, it was one of those things that we got um, – sponsored for it. One of the uh, perks that Slack employees had was that they could spin up a paid Slack instance and it would be free. Uh, And, uh, you know, that's one of those that if you did at the time, um, there was a limited amount of logging that you could have on the free instance it's now been adjusted so that all the free instances get 90 days but at at the time it was like uh, i don't even remember what the limit was but i think at this point if we if the Mac admin slack was on the free instance plan under the old retention rules we'd have about a days worth of logs before we <laughs> before we ran out um, so a couple of years ago we you know we'd gone like our original sponsor at Slack had uh, moved on from Slack to go to another company, they had pers- they had uh, persuaded another Slack employee to take it up as their perk. Um, so we were still free, still on this paid-for plan. Paid, you know, it was free to us. It was this perk. Uh, and then we that person left, and we had to find a third sponsor. And we're like, uh, this is getting a little unsustainable. One, you know, Salesforce just bought Slack. They might descend to end this perk. Um, and second, it's a lot to keep asking people, can you continue to sponsor us? Uh, so between the two of them, that's kind of where the genesis of the uh, the Macadmins Foundation came from, which was that the first thing we did was we, uh, a group of us were, got together and we're like, well, how much would this cost? I mean, we've got like 40,000 people in here. We do want to have to continue to offer this service. Um, How much would it cost? And it was this huge amount of money. I think it was like two Ferraris every year. I think that's uh, what we came up with. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we're just like, we can't pay this. Uh, and then we started poking into like nonprofit pricing and Slack actually has a very nice deal for nonprofits where they will offer 85% off if you are a 501 C three nonprofit. Um, and that brought it down to about the price of a Chevy bolt, which still a lot of money, but, you know, seemingly more within our reach. Um, so that's kind of the start. We were like, okay, we're, we need to set up this organization. Uh, we need to start fundraising um and it kind of uh, grew from there we've had an enormous amount of support from the community both from individuals and from corporate sponsors and it's been very it's been very gratifying um and i'm happy to say that uh, we managed to pay for last year's slack out of what got donated we're paying for this year's slack out of what uh, uh has been donated um we're, we'll. We should. We've negotiated a two-year agreement with Slack to help hold costs down. Um, we're past that Chevy Bolt level. I think we're now into like uh, maybe the B, the BMW electric vehicle kind of range. Um, but it's still, you know, we're, it's still not uh, two Ferraris, which we're very glad about. Uh, but that that's something that uh, you know we, we're going to need continued support on. So um, you know, anything anyone. Can do. We're we're very always happy to talk to new sponsors uh, to keep that money coming in. Uh, but it's not just for Slack. We've also started doing uh, scholarships uh, for uh, attending, like for example, attending the Penn State conference. We were able to send five folks who ordinarily wouldn't have been able to because they couldn't have afforded it. They couldn't have afforded travel or tickets. Um, we were able to get tickets uh, and pay for like twenty five hundred dollars in travel expenses, which you know should get someone to. Uh, State College, Pennsylvania, for the conference, and uh, put them up in a hotel and feed them while they're here. Um, and that is that is something that we are looking to continue. Uh, we got a very generous grant from Apple for uh, certification, um, you know, exam vouchers, which we were able to uh, do this year. Uh, we were able to get like 400 uh, exam vouchers. Apple has two uh, exams. Uh, one for kind of like entry level and for the next level up. Uh, so for folks, we uh, we had about 200. Uh, we, we were like, we can take up to 200 applicants and we'll give out 400 codes so everyone can take those two exams without it having to cost them any money. And we got good responses on that. Um, and, you know, we'd love to do that again. You know, that that's something that, uh, you know, I... I can't really comment on on what we're talking about with Apple in that case, but we'd love to do it again. Uh, and things like uh, the conference scholarship program, thats that was entirely within with us using money that folks had donated. So, you know, we'd love to do that again as well.
0: That's so cool. It's some amazing programs that y'all are doing. And with the conference having just happened last week, I'm really curious, did you personally have a chance to meet any of those folks who came out on scholarship?
1: Sadly, at Penn State, I'm usually just running around like a crazy man. Uh, so I did not, in fact, get to meet any of them. Uh, I did get a LinkedIn uh, invite from one of them. <laughs> so, nice,
0: cool. Well, I hope that they had great experiences out there and that it helps them, kind of uh, build up their their careers and become uh, more awesome contributing members of this community.
1: I hope so as well, because that that was that was that that was the goal and that was the
0: hope. So cool. well Rich, as we as we kind of move towards the end here, we've talked about the the past and the present. I like to think a little bit about the future. Uh, what are your thoughts about how the uh, the Mac admins life and world are going to change over the next say five years? in the last five Ooh. we've seen the introduction of declarative MDM. we've seen a processor change. Uh, but what what do you see as as on the radar?
1: Um. That is always a tough question, because I, I am I am not great at predicting the future. I mean, there, there are some things on the horizon that seem, uh, you know, kind of obvious. Like Apple is going to be phasing out support for Intel processors over the next few years. Uh, I don't know what that means for the future of Rosetta, because Apple has started to introduce. You know, one of the things they did with Rosetta was, in addition to supporting Mac OS stuff, if you're using uh, Linux within their hypervisor framework you know it can tap into Rosetta to provide support for Intel binaries within that Linux VM and I was thinking well, that might actually make Rosetta hang on a little longer than I thought it normally would because I you know going back to the uh, PowerPC to Intel switch over I think uh, we had Rosetta for a couple of OS releases and then it went away um, I guess we'll just have to see what happens with Rosetta on Apple Silicon? If it, you know, if it's here for the long term or if it goes away, I still think it may go away within a few years, but we'll see. Like I said, I'm terrible with predictions.
0: That's a really um, interesting one, Rich, and one that I I it was not on my mind at all. So thank you for that.
1: Sure thing. Um, the other thing I think is that you know we'll we'll see. More design elements come over from iOS into macOS, like we're, you know, like we saw system preferences go away and venture and replace with system settings. But I know that some folks are worried that uh, macOS is just going to wind up being like, you know, glorified iOS, and I I don't see that happening. Mac has always been uh, different, in as much as you can do stuff on macOS. Uh, that you really can't on iOS. And a good example is like, you know, you can run things like, uh, um, you know, Unix apps, like you can run X windows, you can run scripts, you can run, you know, a lot of these uh, Unix functionality that iOS, I guess, technically could run because the, the underpinnings are there, but that's not really what iOS is for. But, you know, for like development work and things like that, uh, I, I do see macOS and iOS... You know they're they're gonna they're gonna learn from each other, but I think that they're gonna stay fundamentally. Uh, at the end of the day, they're gonna be different platforms for different purposes, and I think that's going to stick around.
0: Awesome, and I, I share uh, both your hope and optimism for that as well. It's one of my favorite things about macOS for sure. Um, awesome. Well, Rich, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for everything that you do for the community, for sharing your your notes over on the Dear Flounder blog, uh, and we'll we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. Anywhere else that folks should look for you online or in person? I know that conference season's kind of winding down, but
1: uh... yeah, I mean, I'm i I'm, I'm generally in the the Macamend Slack. You can find me. I am R Trouten over there. Uh, and for conferences i'm planning to be at the uh, jamf nation user conference in austin this year and also i'll be uh the the folks at the Max conference have been uh, gracious enough to uh you know invite me to Max this year in in october and that's going to be in gothenburg sweden so i should be there as well
0: sweet awesome well it's not winding season's not winding down yet for you um that's nope, great so that'll be some fun trips Cool. Thank you again for coming on, and um, and we'll see you out there.
1: All right. Sounds good. Thank you.